Our lesson this morning is from Habakkuk chapters 1 through 3. The oracle that the prophet Habakkuk saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not listen? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see wrongdoing and look at trouble? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law becomes slack and justice never prevails. The wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, judgment comes forth perverted. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so that a runner may read it. For there is still a vision for the appointed time. It speaks of the end and does not lie. If it seems to tarry, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Look at the proud. Their spirit is not right in them, but the righteous live by their faith. Though the fig tree does not blossom and no fruit is on the vines, though the produce of the olive fails and the fields yield no food, though the flock is cut off from the fold and there is no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and will exalt in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and makes me tread upon the heights. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations in our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our God, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. How long, O Lord, how long must we wait? As I was telling the kids this morning, I remember, as maybe you do, waiting for Christmas to come and thinking my whole entire body might burst with anticipation. And yet, when I think about it, it almost seems ridiculous how desperately I thought it would not arrive when there were signs all over the place. I could walk downstairs in my grandparents' house and see the Christmas tree. I could eat the cookies and taste Christmas on my lips. And I knew it was coming, and it was only usually a matter of weeks before it would arrive, and that anticipation and expectation would come to me. I just came back from three days last week at Eagle Bluff Learning Center with Lily's sixth grade class, and I heard cries of, how long, quite often on our trip. How long until we get there, the kids asked. How long is this class going to last? How long until lunch? How long until free time? For the most part, these questions could be answered by, you know, 30 minutes, an hour. It wasn't long that the kids had to wait. But nevertheless, their impatience was evident. When I started to talk to some of the kids one-on-one, however, I found that inside them, that many of them had deeper questions of longing, bigger ones, true cries that maybe they couldn't ask out loud as they had so easily in class. When will this class be over? How long, one girl asked, as she wondered with me when her family would know if they would be allowed to stay in our country. I've been here since I was four years old, she said, but our visa expires in just a few years. How long until we know if DACA will be a promise that I'll get to participate in or not? Another girl told me some stories of the difficulty of fitting in. How long I could hear her wondering until I find friends that will accept me for who I am. How long until I find a place where I belong? 
A boy stood in the cafeteria apart from everybody else. And when I approached him and asked him what he was waiting for, he said, I'm waiting to know if there will be leftovers. How long, this boy wondered, until there is more food for me to eat. And I wondered to myself if this was the first time he has wondered if his belly will indeed be full, or if he perhaps asked that question more often than that. How long? Those questions that these kids were asking deep within their souls, I believe actually capture the essence of our biblical lesson today. For these questions of prayer and longing are ones that are not easily satisfied, but instead ones that we wait for with patience and endurance, where there are not signs of hope that our wait will soon be over. They come to us and we lift them up to God, asking for a transformation of sorts in our world, in our lives, in the way we live from day to day. How long, O Lord, Habakkuk asks, How long will I cry for you to help, O God, and you will not listen? How long will I point out violence, and yet you will not save? How long? Habakkuk might be a foreign book to you, but you don't really need to know much about him or about his situation to recognize his pain and his longing. And unlike the other prophets who turn and talk to the people, scolding them or telling them to change their ways, Habakkuk turns to God with his prayers, asking for God's intervention, asking for God's presence, because for Habakkuk, there is no hope to an end in sight. There seems to be no sign that God is near. Have you ever been in this place, like Habakkuk, wondering Waiting, hoping, and yet not seeing any sign? Perhaps you too have lifted up your prayers of how long. For any of you who have lived through war, I would gather that you have asked those same prayers. How long until the violence will end? But Habakkuk's words, I believe, transcend war and violence and can speak to the very essence of our lives. Perhaps you have asked these words how long as you've waited for medical results. How long until I get that phone call that tells me that everything's okay. Or perhaps you've wondered in the doctor's office how long until I find out if there is any hope for me. How long until my suffering and pain will go away. Maybe these words have been uttered in your own household. How long until my children find a place where they belong or get the help they need? How long until the fighting ends between my parents, between my children? How long until I feel safe again here in this place? Or maybe it's to your vocation. How long until I find a job and I don't have to continue to search endlessly Or how long until I find a career that not only pays the bills but satisfies my soul? It can often feel that our cries of how long fall upon empty ears. When will you hear me, O God, Habakkuk wonders? When will you save me? As I told the kids, Habakkuk is told by God to go and make his own sign to put up on a tablet a vision that even a runner could see as they go by, a word of hope. And we are never told what Habakkuk writes on that sign. 
Does he write, fear not? Or perhaps he writes, have faith? I wonder if Habakkuk instead maybe wrote a name. Just one word. Emmanuel, perhaps. This is the promise of the Advent season. Emmanuel, that God is with us. Emmanuel, that Jesus comes into our world hearing our cries of how long, seeing the pain of our community. And God comes, not swooping us out of it or taking away all the pain and vanquishing it with a fellow, with a quick snap, but instead daring to stand in it with us. The story of our faith reminds us that we have a God who hears the cries of her people. And just like a mother hears the cries of her baby at night, God comes near and comes to us to hold us in the midst of our pain. God has done it before when the people cried out in Egypt for help. God does it for his people during the exile, and God does it again today. God comes near to you and to me, to all who are crying out, how long? The book of Habakkuk is unique in the prophets because by the end of it, nothing has changed. The world continues to look as desperate and dire as it did at the very beginning. The fig tree is still barren. The flock is still cut off. The violence has not yet ended. And yet, for some reason, in that final passage we heard this morning, Habakkuk's words have changed. He says, and yet... And yet I will rejoice. And yet, these are words of hope. For some reason, even though there aren't signs around him, Habakkuk dares to say, and yet I will not live into despair. And yet I will trust and follow you. Somehow God gives Habakkuk the courage to raise his head, to have a lightened heart and the strength to go on. It is in desperate times like these that someone dares to say, and yet, that a revolutionary is about to take place. If you research the book of Habakkuk, it is a banned book at times because it became a book of hope for people who were living in such despair. And yet. This final passage from Habakkuk became the treasured words of a man from my last congregation. His name was Steve, and Steve was the father of three children. He was in his mid-40s. He was a husband, a son, a teacher, and at that time, he received a cancer diagnosis. He was down at the Mayo Clinic receiving treatment when my colleague went down and read the end of Habakkuk to him. And afterwards, Steve would request this passage over and over again, looking to it and finding hope in the midst of his pain. Steve endured a year of treatment and then a short remission before his cancer returned. And it wasn't long after that that he died. At his funeral, Habakkuk chapter 3 was read, And yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exalt in the God of my salvation, my colleague read. And as I looked around in my own despair, I wondered about these hopeful words, for there was no fig tree in my midst. But there in front of me stood his 11-year-old daughter, 
who came up front during the funeral and sang songs of praise and rejoicing on one of what I assume is the darkest days of our life. And her whole body seemed to scream to me, and yet, words of hope, words of promise. As people of faith, I believe that this is our response in the midst of pain. We sing, we hope, we cry out, and yet, we call upon our God to come. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, we ask. Come and stand with us in the midst of the terror. And that is what we have in Jesus, a Savior who does just that, who stands with us no matter what. A Savior who knows the pain of waiting and longing. A Savior who knows what it is like to run in fear and frustration. A Savior who has experienced pain and thirst and hunger and achedness and can say to us, still in the midst of all of this, you are blessed by a God who is with you. And so today we wait. We wait in hope. We wait in faith and in the cries of how long we hear in our community, we dare to proclaim, Emmanuel, and yet our God will come. Amen. <laughs>